This sermon series is getting a lot of attention. I heard a story uh, just a while ago as I was coming in. Uh, this guy said he was going by the Goldsboro campus. We have a campus in Goldsboro. We do two uh, Sunday morning experiences at that campus. One of them is on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We do a Sunday morning experience on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And they are going to have church in just a little while there today at 10 o'clock on Sunday. So I uh, want to let you know about our Goldsboro campus. But this guy was going by, um, by the campus and we got that big sign just like that on a big old banner right there on Berkeley. Who's seen our sign in Goldsboro? All right. So, um, you know, some people got ticked off about that. And you know what? You have to know that you're doing God's will, not just when people are happy, but when some people are ticked off. That's the Greek word for mad. And so some people have been bothered by that sign, and we like that. We want to stir it up a little bit. And uh, it was so funny. This guy said he looked in his rearview mirror, and there were two guys from the base, two guys from Seymour Johnson, and they were riding, and one of them was hanging out the window, taking a picture of that banner, going, Hey, Mama, look at the churches in this, uh, look at the churches in this community. They're crazy. And um, I don't know why he was taking a picture, but I liked it. I liked that. So if you're going to put something on social media today, and we hope you will, uh, use this hashtag so everybody will be able to see what you wrote. And then if you would like sermon notes or any other information, use this email address, and we would appreciate that so much. So get your Bibles today, and let's turn to 1 Corinthians. You'll find 1 Corinthians just before... Exactly. It's easy to find. It's in the New Testament, about middle way through your, your New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible, and I encourage you again that if you don't have an Amplified Bible, get one. The Amplified Bible does a lot of work for you, so make sure you uh, get one of those and add it to your library. So, the Corinthian church had been asking Paul some questions, and Paul is responding. He says, now as to the matters of which you wrote, it is good, that word good meaning beneficial, advantageous, it is good for a man not to touch a woman outside marriage is the implication there, verse 2. But because of the temptation to participate in sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his marital duty to his wife with goodwill and kindness and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have exclusive authority over her own body, but the husband shares with her. And likewise, the husband does not have exclusive authority over his body, but the wife shares with him. Do not deprive each other of marital rights, except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves unhindered to prayer, but come together again so that Satan will not tempt you to sin because of your lack of self-control. But I am saying this as a concession 
not as a command. Verse 7. I wish that all the people were as I am, but each person has his own gift from God. And what Paul is referring to there is his, his singleness. Paul was not married. He said, I wish everybody was as I am, but each person has his own gift from God, one of this kind and one of that. Now I want to read this to you, and it's not going to come up on the screen, but I want to read this to you from the message. I want to read the same passage to you from the message. How many of you have read the message and you like the message? It will clear things up for you sometimes. It always amazes me when pastors tell me they don't like paraphrases of the Bible. And I'm like, dude, when you're preaching, you're paraphrasing the Bible. I say dude for emphasis. All right, here we go. So this is the message. Now getting down to the questions you ask in your letter to me, first, it is a good thing to have sexual relations. It is a good thing to have sexual relations. And the men said, verse 2, certainly, but only within a certain context. Is it good? Okay, let me back up. He's asking a question. Now, getting down to the questions you ask in your letter to me. First, here's the question you ask. Is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Now we can go woohoo because the next word is certainly. Hallelujah. But only within a certain context. Sexual relations are good only within a certain context. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. And may I just add right there, boom. Can I say it again? Sexual drives are strong. But marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world, amen, amen, of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times, then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not, understand, commanding these periods of abstinence, only providing my best counsel if you should choose them. Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. It's a simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone, any more than marriage is for everyone. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. Isn't the Bible clear about the physical relationship that a man, husband has with his 
wife, woman. Isn't that just beautiful how God lays that out for us? It is ignored, as we talked about last Sunday. It is ignored in many churches. Many churches won't talk about it. They'll give you a book, kind of like, you know, they got the book under their shirt. and They'll go, here, read this. It's the Bible and sex, but hide in the closet, light a candle. We're not going to do that here at the bridge. We're going to preach about it. We're going to talk about it because guess what? Your kids are learning about it. Our secular culture is open to teach about it, and we're going to teach about it right here in the bridge. Who's glad about that? Who's glad they attend a church like that? Amen? Writer Robert Byron, I believe is the way you pronounce it, once said, I thought this was funny, anyone who believes that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach flunk geography. That's funny, but this statement hits home with what any important, any um, adult with a brain knows, and that is that sex is very, very important to men. Research consistently shows that 80 to 90% of men view sex as the most important aspect of their marriage. When men are asked what one thing they would like to change in their marriages, they wish that their wives would be more interested in physical intimacy and more willing to initiate it. Now wives, you can't get frustrated with your husband about this because God wired him this way. Marriage experts Gary and Barbara Rosberg surveyed men about their sexual needs. A vast majority of the men indicated that mutual pleasure and the wife's initiation of sex were among their primary sexual needs. Archibald D. Hart, in his book, The Sexual Man, writes this. Although the average wife acknowledges that her husband's sex drive is stronger than hers, she still tends to underestimate the impact this one aspect has on their marriage. According to a poll of 150 Christian men, 83% stated that they don't believe their wife understands their sex drive. Husbands feel alone with their secrets and desires, they're at a loss about how to communicate this to their wives. And for many men, their attempts to bridge the gap have been wet, met with indifference or even scorn. So in this sermon series, it is all about what we want to teach you, what we want to say to you, what we want to help you with is this whole thing of understanding God's plan, the Bible plan for human sexuality and why sex is so important in your marriage. This information that we want to give you in this series is not intended to add to any guilt you may have. Instead, we're praying that this series will challenge your thinking and challenge your perspective. Pastors and other influencers in your life may be guilty of trying to control you with guilt, but guilt will never last uh, will never result in lasting change. Enduring change is based on love. So it's no surprise to anyone here today that God has wired women and men differently when it comes to physical intimacy. So what I want to give you today, ladies, is seven things 
your husband wish you knew about them. Seven things your husband wishes you knew about them, about men. Number one, number one. And look, there are going to be guys who are going to hear me today, and what I'm going to say is going to make them uncomfortable a little bit. And I'm not saying that the seven things I'm going to give you are absolutely 100% true about all men. But generally, this is what men want the ladies to know. Number one, inadequacy or disrespect are a man's greatest fear. Feeling inadequate. Feeling disrespected are a man's greatest fear. Husbands need to know that their wives respect them. Husbands need to know that their, that their wives respect them privately when you're alone, when you're riding down the road, when you're at home sitting there watching TV, whatever you're doing, you've gone to bed, your husband wants to hear you privately say to him how much you respect him and what a blessing he is in your life. Men need to know that. But they also like it when you say it publicly, ladies. And I know there are probably some ladies out there going like, well, I'd like to have a little public affirmation myself. Well, listen, then how does that work? You reap what you sow. So if the woman is over here going, well, I'll do that when he does that. And he's over here going, well, I'll do that when she does that. Guess what? We got us a cold war. And we got us a standstill. So somebody in that couple's got to be like who? Jesus. And give the person what they need. How many of you are glad that God didn't give you what you deserve, but he gave you what you need? So husbands... You are not to give your wife what you and your carnality think she deserves. And wives, you are not to give to your husband what you and your carnality think he deserves. You are to give them what they need. You are to love your mate the way Jesus loved you. So men want to be respected. They need that publicly and privately. Wives, your husbands will thrive. What does that word mean? It means they'll be happier. They'll be more cooperative. Your husbands will be more loving. Your husbands will be more attentive to you. Your husbands will be more easygoing and they will be a better dad when your husband knows you trust him. When he knows you admire him and he knows you believe in him. Shante Feldhahn's research indicates that men would rather sense the loss of loving feelings from their wife than to feel disrespected by their wife. Did you hear that? That's powerful. The research indicates that men would rather sense the loss of a loving feeling from their wife than to feel disrespected by their wife. I can just hear some women saying to themselves right now, poor baby. Grow up. He just needs to grow up. But ladies, the problem could be 
that you were brought up one way and your husband was brought up another way. And I want to say to you men, that could be very true about you as well. You may have been brought up in a healthy home relationship and your wife was not brought up with a good model, not brought up in a good healthy home relationship, vice versa. Wives, you could have been brought up in a very healthy home, healthy relationship, good models, and your husband brought up in a bad situation with bad models. Your husband may have been brought up in an environment where he was manipulated and controlled by being constantly put down or mocked or ridiculed. Men, your wife could have been brought up that way as well, told that he would never be anything. Maybe your wife was told in her home life that she would never amount to anything. Whether he was or not, ladies, the fact is every wife needs to understand that inadequacy and disrespect are your husband's greatest fears. And if a man does not feel adequate and he does not feel respected, ladies, you are not going to receive from him what you need. And that's where we see so many marriages fall apart. And we teach this, and we preach this, and there was an awesome uh, opportunity for you to grow in your marriage right here at the bridge yesterday. We have constant teaching and training. You can have private teaching, private training. We will meet with you privately. I'm telling you right now, if your marriage don't make it and you're a part of the bridge family, it's because you didn't want your marriage to make it. Because we will do whatever it takes to help you keep your marriage together and not just keep it together, but cause it to thrive. We thank God for Scott and Sherry. We thank God for what they've done for our church. But I want to tell you, they are a part of a team of pastors and not just pastors, but lay leaders in this church. People who don't have ministerial credentials who are gifted in the area of helping you with your marriage. So I'm telling you, listen carefully. If your marriage doesn't make it, it's going to be because you ignored the help that was offered to you. And that may be offensive to you, but I'm telling you, either both in that couple ignored it or one ignored it. But we're here to help. I don't know any other church, and I go to a lot of other churches. I was in a church in Florida this past week learning and sitting at their feet as they taught how to plant uh, new churches and I was thinking about go as we go to Mount Olive and we're going to plant that church, so I wanted to learn. But I also looked at the other things that church offered. I'm telling you, that church that runs about 8,000 people doesn't offer any more to their congregation when it comes to how to have a happy marriage and a happy home more than the bridge does. And so you've got to reach out. You can go to the doctor all you want to, but if you don't do what the doctor says and if you don't take the medicine that the doctor prescribes, you're not going to get better. And so I lay that word out here today. I don't hold back on that. I know for a fact that we are ready to serve you and be a blessing to you if you'll let us. Number two, feeling inadequate and or disrespected are the primary sources of a man's anger. When a man feels inadequate, I told you there is greatest fear. When a man feels disrespected, his greatest fear, the, that is often the primary source of his anger. Now, I don't think I really have to go into major detail in saying to you that men are known for their anger. When a husband becomes angry, when a husband uh, has a, um, 
I mean, he's always on the, on the edge, you know, and you know if you say the wrong thing or push a little bit, it's going to go over to the bad side. Uh, most of the time, and he won't come out and say it, but most of the time he has a feeling of I'm being disrespected or you're making me feel inadequate. There's a le- there is a likelihood, a big likelihood there, that he's feeling the sting of something you did. And look, ladies, I'm not saying you're guilty. I'm just telling you this is an area in the lives of men where they are very, very sensitive. And I'm not saying again that 100% of men like that, but research proves that most men, uh, uh, this is the source of their anger. They feel inadequate. They feel disrespected. And you might say an offhand comment that might not deserve an angry reaction, but you get one anyway. And a lot of times it's because your husband interpreted that as you disrespecting him or you making him feel inadequate. Again now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's something he should do. But you've got to understand your man. You've got to understand him. You've got to understand what his sensitivities are and, and what's the tipping point for him and, and why does he feel this way. Causes of anger. Let's look at a few of them. I'm going to go through them very quickly. It may be that anger was modeled to your husband as a way to deal with the issues of life. That can also be true of the wife. If your parents didn't handle their anger well, uh, then you got off to a bad start and childhood is definitely a part of the puzzle. And... Uh, Uh, You do not have to uh, continue to be a victim of your childhood. Uh, How many of you ever heard people say, well, my mama was like that? Well, I can't help it. My daddy was like that. Well, you know what? If you don't break that, if you don't break that cycle, then you're going to do that model to your children. And your children are going to be like that. So somebody's got to break the cycle. Somebody's got to say, I love my mom, I love my dad, but I don't like the way They modeled how to do life in front of us in some areas. My dad was always angry. My mom was always angry. They were always fussing at each other. They never left each other. They stayed together. Maybe you can say that. But there was just always an argument. Well, you got to break that. That is your responsibility. Stop saying, I can't help it. That's how I was brought up. Isn't it amazing what we say we can't control and then we control it? I'm mad, I can't help what I say. Then tell me this, why is it that when you and your husband or you and your children are going at it and the phone rings, you're able to go, hello? (laughs) While you have a stick in your hand over your children. Hello, oh, we're having a great day. How How are you doing? You know what that proves? What? That we do have a choice. We can control it. Number two, we're talking about causes of anger. Feeling like a victim is one of the biggest causes of uncontrolled anger. If you were spoiled by your parents, number three, if you were spoiled by your parents, do not stare at your husband. Do not stare at your wife. But I know marriages that have suffered tremendously because that child growing up got everything they wanted every time they wanted it. So if you were spoiled by your parents or whoever spoiled you, Uh, They didn't do you any favors. A sense of entitlement is something you need to face and deal with or you may find yourself living alone. Number four, uncontrolled anger can also result from child abuse such as neglect, 
When we think of child abuse, we think of usually sexual child abuse or the child being beaten, and that is certainly child abuse. But verbal child abuse, child abuse is just as bad. And um, matter of fact, it can have deeper wounds in many ways. But being neglected, a child feeling neglected, a child seeing a friend of theirs being loved and they see that lack of love from their own parents, that is a feeling of abandonment and that is a feeling of neglect. And that can cause a child in their adult years, even in their childhood years, to be very angry. Number five, unresolved grief can be a major cause of anger management problems. Number six, being over-medicated. How many of you think this might be a problem in our culture today? Come on. Being over-medicated or on the wrong medication can cause anger issues. Number seven, we all know that stress, I don't think I need to talk much about that one, but we know stress can certainly contribute to your difficulty to control anger. I'm going to fess up something. I have been stressed as a pastor and gone home and taken it out on my wife. Who will, who, what other man will stand with me and say, I have done that? Come on, guys. Hey, ladies, how about you? Would say, I've been stressed and come home. You know why we do it? You know what? And the rest of you are liars. But uh, you know why we do it? You know why we do it? Easy target. No repercussion. And if there is repercussion, we don't really care that there's repercussion. We treat people we don't know, and we treat people who don't even care about us with a lot more kindness and respect than we treat the people who would die for us. Thank you, sir. That was the only amen I got on that. I deserve more. <laughs> Number eight, our heroes, our veterans often have uncontrolled anger as a part of PTSD symptoms. And I want to tell you, and the military would tell you that PTSD is not only something that military vets deal with, but you can have many traumatic events in your life that cause you to have post-traumatic stress. My son Mitch, who died from a drug overdose, many of you know my story. Some of you are new and maybe haven't heard it. But I remember before he died, he was having issues, and we were going to a counselor, and that counselor looked at us and said, because of the lifestyle Mitch has lived, and because Mitch has had beatings and been in fights because of the lifestyle he lived, that he suffered from PTSD. And we didn't look at that as an excuse for what he did, but it helped us to know that that was one of the things Mitch was battling with. And I just want to say to you all, you may have somebody in your family, you may be married to somebody who hasn't really shared everything in their life and their anger comes out of an event in their life that they have kept bottled up inside. Number four, I'm sorry, number three, number three. And we're talking about seven things your husband wishes you knew about him. Number three, the antidote. Anybody want to know the antidote? The antidote for a husband's feelings of inadequacy, that's his greatest fear, remember? His feelings of being disrespected, that's his greatest fear, is the wife's affirmation. And you ladies might be sitting out there, because I know, man, I hear it all the time. I, you might be sitting out there going, I'm not going to affirm him. He doesn't deserve to be affirmed. But see, that's where that Jesus kicks in. That's where that you being like Jesus kicks in. 
and you don't give him what he deserves, ladies, I'm challenging you as I did the men last week, don't give what you think your mate deserves. You're never going to get anywhere. Give what your mate needs. I will reap what I sow. Now, what do we always say about sowing and reaping? You always reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. And you always reap later than you sow. Isn't that true? Think about your garden. If you've ever been on a farm, think about it. If you put a certain seed in the ground, that's what you're going to get back, whatever that seed was. But it's going to take time. But you know what? You get more. You don't get one seed back. What do you get back? Many seeds. So you reap what you say. A common perspective of men is that they feel like a loser. They feel like losers. Look at, the, look at uh, Madison Avenue. Look at, look at our culture around us, what they say a successful man is. And if you don't have these things, and if you don't dress this way, and if you don't look this way, and if you don't have this uh, kind of house, and you don't drive this kind of car, and you don't have these model-like looks, then you're a loser. If you didn't provide this size house for your family, you're a loser. And so men deal with this uh, sense of being a loser at work, a loser as a parent, a loser as a provider, and a loser as a husband. And they may never say it out loud to you ladies, but inwardly they feel very vulnerable and fearful in these areas. And the antidote to that is your affirmation to them, your expressions of affirmation. Sadly, if a husband does not get the affirmation he needs from his wife, the enemy will send along somebody who will give him that affirmation. And often they're caught in a trap because they're having a need met in their life because they so crave this thing that will help them feel like they have value and feel like they're successful and feel like somebody appreciates them. Now, ladies, I'm not blaming a husband's affair on you. I'm just telling you what a husband needs. An affair is a sin. It is a, can I get a little better amen on that? Are we, do we live in a culture where we're not sure about that? If you're having an affair, it is a sin against God. And look, I'm not blaming the affair your spouse may be having on something you did or didn't do. Here's what I'm saying. They have needs, and as a spouse, the day you said, I will, you made a vow to God and a vow to each other that you would meet one another's needs. So your husband needs that from you. When a husband receives regular and genuine affirmation from his wife, he feels much more secure and confident in all areas of his life. And this will result in him being more consistent in meeting your needs. Okay? Here's a little thing I say every wedding I do. At the end of the wedding, I look at the couple and I go, if you will treat her like a queen, you will live like a king. And if you will treat him like a king, you will live like a queen. But I'm telling you, here's the big deal. Here's the biggest problem in, in marriages that are broken. When you decide, I'm not doing anything till they do something, then we're, it, you're, you're headed quickly downhill in your marriage. But when you say, you know what? He's never going to give that to me until I sow that seed. She's never going to give me what I need until I sow that seed. So I'm going to 
I'm going to forget my pride. I'm going to humble myself like Jesus. I'm going to gird myself with a towel. I'm going to get down at the feet of my husband. I'm going to get down at the feet of my wife, and I'm going to give them what they need, not what they deserve. Am I making any sense up here? And I know it's hard, man. I know it's hard. Hey, listen, you know, I'm probably the best Christian in this room and very humble. (laughs) I want to tell you, when it comes to Millie, my first thought is not to give her what she needs. My first thought is to go, oh, you're going to treat me like that? Then I'll treat you like this. That's my human nature. I have to go against that. I have to follow the Spirit of God that is in me. And I'm not always successful. I know some of you men are always successful. Not. But I'm not always successful. And I see the hurt on her face. And I see the pain it causes her. She has needs. And I've found with Millie, and I'll be honest with you, I've found with most women, when you Focus on them and meet their needs. And ladies, when you focus on him and meet his needs, no matter what he's doing, no matter how he's responding, no matter how he's acting, eventually it takes time when we sow. We don't sow a seed and come back the next day and go, well, where are you? Why haven't you, you know, come up through the soil? Why don't I see some evidence? It takes a while to see evidence that you planted that seed, doesn't it? So plant that seed. Give them what they need, not what they deserve. Number four, listen to this one. Here's what your husband wishes you knew, that the weight men carry to provide and care for their family, ladies, it is a lot heavier than you think it is. And you might be sitting here, ladies, going, I make more money than he does. Doesn't make a bit of difference. Doesn't make one bit of difference. God put in every man the instinct to provide for his family. God wired men to have a keen sense of providing for their family. So uh, many men bear a huge emotional burden to be the man. And this awareness of being responsible that men carry is never far from their mind. And it can result in the feeling of being trapped. It can result in that feeling I talked about earlier of being a loser. I mean, the culture dictates what a good husband is, what a good man is, what a successful man is. But I want to tell you that what the culture says all that is and what God says that is, is two different things. Be a godly man. Look at what God said. Look at what the Word of God says. Don't let magazines and TV shows and movies tell you this is what a successful husband is. This is what a successful man is. Let God tell you that, gentlemen. And ladies, don't you get caught up up in what the culture says your husband should be. Because when I do marriage counseling and when our staff does marriage counseling, we hear it. We hear it. And we know that they've gotten caught up in what the culture says success is. So ladies, don't fall into that. I'm not saying wives can release their husbands from this God-given instinct, but the wife can provide a huge amount of strength for her husband through a healthy dose of appreciation and a healthy dose of encouragement and support. Number five, seven things your wife wishes you knew about her. Seven things your husband wishes you knew about him. Number five, Sex, physical intimacy is directly linked to a man's confidence. Ladies, it doesn't matter whether you like that or not. It's just true. It's just true. Well, he needs to get over himself. I'm sorry. He can't get over himself. 
women often assume that men want more sex only because that's the way God wired them. That's just how men are. You know how men are. They got one thing on their mind. Did you know that surprisingly research has shown that the reason men want more physical intimacy with their wife is because that man has a strong need to know his wife desires him. He has a very strong... Look, let me tell you something, ladies. I know we act macho. I know we act all tough. I know we act all like we got this hard shell on the outside. We're very sensitive. <laughs> We're extremely sensitive. And the reason we need physical interaction with you is because we need to know you desire us. We need to know that. Like wives... Husbands, we talked about this last week with the ladies, y'all remember? Like wives, husbands also have a deep need to know that their wife desires them. Regular, fulfilling sex for your husband is critical to his sense of feeling loved and desired. When a man feels confident about his wife's desire for him sexually, it has a profound positive effect on the rest of that man's life. Healthy physical intimacy carries over into every other area of a man's life. Now when you flip that, when you flip it around, it has a powerful negative effect when that man feels rejected by his wife. When he feels rejected sexually by his wife, he not only feels his wife is rejecting him physically, but that man reads that as rejecting him as a husband, rejecting him as a provider, and rejecting him as a man. That's why making uh, sure that you come together regularly in sexual union and marriage is so incredibly important. So ladies, it's not just because men are like that. Men need that from you. They need that. And, they, and you say, well, he's not very good at it. I'll tell you that, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But there's help in that area. There's help in that area. And uh, we'll go into some of it in this series. But, but we, might not go into, we might not go into areas deep enough in this series for you to get all your answers uh, that you have for your marriage. And some of you... You know, you have a good face publicly, but privately you think things are falling apart. That's why we're here. You call the number, you send an email, all the staff email addresses are on the website. You can send a private email, you can come to see us, sit down. We want to talk with you, we want to help you, we will connect you to the right information. Right Now Media, that is free for all of you, and if you haven't gotten Right Now Media, just call the church and we'll hook you up. We pay for that, a big amount of money every year. There's great teaching on this stuff, great teaching on these topics that will help you. Listen to me, listen. There's no need for you to be miserable in your marriage. If you're both willing to fight, if you're both willing to put in the time, you say, I don't have time. I don't. You know what, if one of you got cancer, you'd find time to go to the doctor, wouldn't you? Am I preaching up here? If one, of you, if one of your children got sick, you'd find time. You'd tell them at, at work, hey, I've got I've to get my kid to the doctor. I've got to find out what's going on. Well, so, you need to value your marriage that way and put in the time that will make your marriage healthy. Number six, number six. Ladies, get this one. 
I don't care how much that man loves Jesus, he knows a pretty woman when he sees one. I'm saved, I ain't dead. Visual temptation is a constant battle for men, again, no matter how close that man is to God. So ladies, I'm telling you, when your husband sees a woman that has dressed herself in a way that, that says, look at my body, he's going to look at her body. Now, gentlemen, here's something you need to learn. You cannot keep a bird from landing on your head, but you do not have to let him build a nest in your hair. So he's going to look, but it has nothing to do with, he can't help it. He can't help it. It's the same reason he's attracted to you. Now I know most preachers don't say this, but I am the mayor of Realville. And your husband was wired by God, made by God to respond to visual images when it comes to women. Now, I'm not talking about wolves. Because I know men who are just on the prowl. They're looking around. And it's one thing to glance and know I just saw a pretty woman. It's another thing to go. Notice I'm looking at an empty chair right here. <laughs> so ladies, he's going to look. Guys, when you look and realize you look, quit looking. <laughs> and say, help me, Jesus. Even the godliest men, the godliest husband cannot avoid noticing a woman who dresses in a way that draws attention to her body. And I got to tell you guys something, women are doing that. Can I preach on this? You know, I used to stand in the altar and pray for women. But when I looked down and thought I saw two little bald-headed men standing right beside each other... I had to get some women up here. So if y'all see me praying for a woman, it's probably going to be like this. Jesus. I probably need some guys going right here, Pastor. Right here. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not about to go old school clothesline preacher on you, but I got to tell you something, man. They dress like they do, and then they're offended when you look. I didn't mean for him to look like me. Then put some clothes on. And man, you quit looking. Just a glance of these kind of visual images, ladies, are like stored in the male brain like a Rolodex. And those pictures, those pictures will come back without any warning they come back up in that man's mind and men can choose whether to dwell on those images or not 
They can choose to dwell on those memories or not. But they can't control when those images reappear. Did you hear what I just said? Since God wired men to prioritize physical appearance, and I know this is hard for some women to hear, but I'm just telling you, ladies, your appearance is really important to him, and he can't help it. Now, we've seen him, and obviously you don't really care that much how he looks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> women want their men to look nice as well, but i got to tell you, ladies, for a man, that's more important. Hey, if you're mad about that, Take it up with him. He wired us that way. I'm not saying that all men want their wives to look like the latest supermodel. But what men really want to know is that their wives are making an effort to take care of themselves. Husbands appreciate the efforts their wives make to maintain their attractiveness. Number seven. Men desire romance in marriage, and I know you ladies are out there going, no, he don't either. Here's the problem. Men desire romance, but they have little, they often have little or no confidence in their ability to be romantic. They don't feel like they know how to be romantic. Many men are very awkward when it comes to being romantic, but it doesn't mean they don't, uh, that they want to be that way, that they don't want to be romantic towards you. Men want to be romantic, but they often doubt their ability to pull it off. And so men hesitate when it comes to romance because of the risk they run of being humiliated or failing uh, in this area. So ladies, understand this. Now guys you got to learn to be romantic. you got to read some stuff. you got to read some books. you got to sit down uh, with Pastor Scott or, or sit down with a group of men. And you got to learn. Remember I told you guys last week, be a student of your wife. Learn what she needs. Learn how to be uh, romantic. Ladies, you can do a great deal to increase your husband's confidence in his romantic skills through encouragement when he does good, tell him. Don't say to a husband when he does something romantic, well, it's about time I thought you had died. Don't say stuff like that because that makes him feel like a failure. You want to encourage him. And then, ladies, you, you might have to redefine what romance is. Example, he says to you, hey, let's go get something to eat and let's go to Lowe's. And you roll your eyes and go, I don't want to go to a hardware store. But a lot of times, that's his way of saying, I want to be with you. I want us to be together. I want us to go out and have a meal. I want us to go there and be together. I want to, I want to show you some things. Maybe I want to show you some things that's going to make our house prettier. I want to show you some ideas for our house. Or So ladies, when he tries to be romantic and he does something awkward, understand that that he's making that attempt. He wants to be romantic with you. In a recent survey, men were asked what they wanted their wives to know above all else. And you know what the men said? The number one response? I want her to know how much I love her. I just want her to know how much I love her. 
Ladies, it's very likely that your husband lacks confidence in his ability to express his love for you when in fact you are the most precious thing in his life. He just doesn't know how to show you that. Now, guys, you got to take responsibility and learn. And ladies, you got to be patient. So let me just close with this. Men want to show how much they love their wives and long for their wives to understand that fact. So last week we closed with this. I'm going to close with this today. Men, ladies, you make, uh, you become a student of your husband. Men, you become a student of your wife. And listen, guys, quit, stop, don't do it anymore. When the thought comes into your head, I'll do this when he does that. I'll do this when she does that. Somebody's got to be Jesus in this marriage. Somebody's got to step up and be Jesus first. And then you will reap what you have. Let's all stand.